Welcome to the Heavenly Health Podcast, a lifestyle medicine show that combines integrative health coaching with environmentalism and modern spirituality to help the collective on the humanitarian path towards co-creating heaven on earth from the inside out. Welcome to the Heavenly Health Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. This episode is going to be a fun solo cast today where I explain what lifestyle medicine is. So I'm excited to share what this whole philosophy of healthcare is because until a few years ago, I wasn't even aware of what this terminology meant. And now that I know what it means and I see it in practice every day with my health coaching clients, I have to share it here on the podcast. So I am really excited to just talk about what lifestyle medicine is and then give some of the latest research and updates within the healthcare space, a call to action for medical professionals, as well as we will discuss at the end of the episode, what are the implications for how we can simultaneously heal the planet as we heal ourselves? Because the exciting part about your lifestyle, your own health and wellness journey, is that just a small change in your diet can regenerate a human body in relatively a short period of time in the same way that we can see in have and implement changes on the planet so everything is the micro and the macro and we're all so interconnected so this is why health is very just i feel like it's the most important mission that we have here on planet earth in our short time here on earth is to live a happy healthy life and everyone has a god-given right to health and wellness so i want to just talk about how we can look at wellness in this new paradigm this new world this new age everything that's changed in the last 10 years has been really radical and transformational in terms of going from a disease management sort of approach in allopathic medicine to now going to a preventative approach in looking at environment looking at lifestyle looking at social factors looking at all the different components that make up a healthy well-lived life So I'll just start with the definition of what lifestyle medicine is. So I learned this definition in the academic space when I was in a graduate program for integrative wellness. And in the book, Lifestyle Medicine, The Environment and Preventative Medicine in Health and Disease by Gary Egger, Andrew Binns, Stefan Rossner, and Michael Sagner, third edition, this book defines lifestyle medicine as an evidence-based approach that integrates lifestyle factors, including whole foods, plant-based diet as the centerpiece into patient care. The goal is to prevent, suspend, and reverse diseases that are directly related to lifestyle choices. So this is why I really love lifestyle medicine, because it's all about habits. The goal, essentially, of, let's call it LSM, lifestyle medicine. The goal of LSM is to prevent, suspend, reverse diseases that are just directly related to lifestyle choices. And so what the American College of Lifestyle Medicine advocates for is to first identify and eradicate the root cause of disease. Okay, this sounds a lot like holistic health, holistic medicine, functional nutrition, all those things. It's all the same, even naturopathic medicine. Figuring out what the root cause is and creating lifestyle management approaches from there. But within LSM, there is an appropriate place for medications as well. Because health and wellness is so nuanced, it's so complex, and we've come a long way in terms of post-industrial revolution and the whole germ theory and incorporating, you know, modern marvels and advancements in science. Like, there is a certain place for medications, Um, but it's really about committing to a clinical outcome of health restoration and the de-escalation of medication use so that patients can live disease and medication-free. 
So that's kind of what makes lifestyle medicine different or just brings it to the forefront. So this is going to be the main framework of the podcast moving forward. I really love lifestyle medicine as an approach of preventative care and just talking about these small little habits that compound into huge changes and huge results because we tend to look at health in a way of it's so daunting it's such a huge lifestyle change it's a total reset you know to fix any one health concern but in reality it doesn't have to be if you reverse engineer health habits you can really take it all the way back into small small little goals like putting your alarm (laughs) one hour earlier or you know meal prepping once a week and even meal prepping can sound daunting but you can break that down that could be just literally chopping vegetables and having them ready for recipes or this could mean purchasing a water bottle like everything can be so small and these small habits compound to huge results so that's what we're going to be focusing on within interviews with the guests is small habits that these guests implemented that helped change their lives and how those small habits led to different outcomes that ripple affected within their lives, their friends, family, communities at large, and then eventually the planet. Because when we do something good for ourselves, we are doing something good for for all, for the whole collective. And that's what's really humanitarian about having a health and wellness journey You really are taking care of yourself so then you can be of service to the world, be of service to others, show up in relationships at, you know, a higher level, show up for your work, show up for your family. There's so many really just incredible ripple effects that come with choosing to put yourself first, to be in your self-worth, to have that self-care and to invest in yourself and knowing that your health is your wealth. So let's take it back. Just look at history a little bit within the historical background of wellness Let's look at a quote from Hippocrates. I just wanted to point this out and how this is kind of interesting on where we've been and kind of where we're going with wellness, but Hippocrates was kind of right all along. So listen to this quote real quick. Around 500 BC, the Greek philosopher and founder of modern medicine, Hippocrates, first hinted at the notion of lifestyle medicine by suggesting that in order to keep well, one should simply avoid too much food and too little toil. So he was basically saying we shouldn't overeat and we shouldn't have such a sedentary lifestyle where we don't have any movement in our lives. And that will be how we can avoid disease. He was really on, he was, he was really on the cutting edge of basically looking at society as it is today. But he wasn't so much on the cutting edge of the society he was currently living in in 500 BC. Because for the ensuing two and a half millennia, humans had little difficulty conforming to Hippocrates' lifestyle recommendations. I mean, the problem, the problem actually was getting enough food and having too much toil in order to survive the trials and tribulations of human evolution. So their problem back then was more the acute ravages of infections and diseases. And then a change came with the Industrial Revolution of the late 19th century. Machines began to replace people, and that made the physical effort and gathering of food just less necessary, as well as it increased the availability and density of energy in such food. So leisure time was more at a premium, and population and work stresses increased, and then access to ingestible and mind-altering substances increased during that time. Plus, social and community structures definitely changed. 
So as a result, the Hippocratic prescription, we now need to expand it. Okay, to the previous quote, we could add, he said originally, avoid too much food and too little toil. (laughs) And this is kind of hilarious in the Lifestyle Medicine book. They say we should now add, and don't smoke, and don't eat too much food, or eat or drink too much in general. Don't drink too much alcohol. Well, having a couple alcohol-free days a week. Try not to get anxious or depressed. Get just the right amount of stress. Don't do too many drugs of all kinds. Don't have unsafe sex. Eat breakfast. Keep regularly active. Sleep well. And for long enough, do some stretching and strength training work every other day. Wear sunscreen. Use a moisturizer. Avoid air conditioning where possible. Keep the skin well hydrated. Floss regularly. And remember, moderation in all things, including moderation. (laughs) Does that sound just like way too much these days? And that kind of is what the, the modern healthcare, you know, conversation seems to be these days it's just so many areas to focus on that it's just why even try at this point and that's kind of the defeating feeling you feel when you leave a doctor's office or like a coaching appointment of sorts it's just like oh my god (laughs) will I ever be well or be at the place I want to be at and this is mostly not because of you it's not because of your choices and actions per se this is this is more of an environmental and systemic um industrial problem you know a lot of the times they put kind of the burden on the individual within health but it really is we need to restructure the way we look at the the human experience at this point so that i just want to say that so you can just feel a little bit less of you know the burden of the health prescription of you have to do all the things you have to do all them well to live a healthy well life i think we really need to infuse health into like political and social spaces to actually make bigger you know planetary changes so but your actions definitely do compound and make a huge difference for instance over 60 percent of american adults now have at least one chronic condition And sadly, over 40% of children have two or more chronic conditions. And you know what the number one cause of death is worldwide? Chronic illness. And the number one preventable cause of death is obesity. So, for example, when the American College of Lifestyle Medicine asked people to join in on the movement and things like that, they have a physical examination, they majority like 70 percent of those applicants can't even pass the physical examination so this just isn't an issue that's related to our elder population or those who already are struggling with a life-threatening disease it's something that's desperately just it needs to be addressed for all ages because chronic illness is something that can impact us from our mother's womb all the way through the aging process and even stems back even further to the womb of your grandmother that's another story for later. So the main thing I want to address here is why why don't more doctors incorporate nutrition and lifestyle strategies into patient treatment plans? That's basically the question that lifestyle medicine is trying to answer. Because I don't know if you knew this, but this is also pretty interesting. So if this is the first time you're hearing about lifestyle medicine, you're totally not alone. And I wanted to just kind of paraphrase some things. I'm reading the Forks Over Knives blog right now, and they have some people who work at the American College of Lifestyle Medicine. And they're saying most medical students receive fewer than 25 hours of nutrition training and only 20% of medical schools in the U.S. even require a nutrition course. Isn't that insane? So the people that we're putting our health and wellness 
and just literally our lives are in their hands, they don't even under, I mean, they don't fully understand the fundamentals of food is information for the body to either prevent or provoke disease. Food is data, food is medicine, and it definitely can have a use. And it's one of the main strongest, you know, factors that you can incorporate to use as a tool towards, you know, helping yourself feel better and improving your longevity and getting off medications. So why, why isn't nutrition like a foundational course, a part of all medical training? It's just really interesting when you look at the, um, the design of society and the design of healthcare, the design of the food system and how things are very just, you know, this isn't, this isn't by coincidence. All of these things are on purpose. So Hopefully in the future we will be in a time in history when medical professionals do have the adequate training. But for now, these these stats, they get even worse when doctors go into residency, honestly. And in most cases, there are zero requirements for young physicians to even learn about the benefits of nutrition as they take on real-life patients. Isn't that just... That makes... uh. <laughs> I don't want to say like, ooh, that makes me so mad, but I, it does, you know. I have never been with a physician who even mentioned food to me, and majority of my health conditions were digestive disorders, acne, all types of things involved uh, with anxiety and hormonal imbalance, and all of that was rooted in my gut and the way that I was nourishing myself, or lack thereof. And if someone would have just pointed me in that direction of food, you know, just you know what I mean because you probably feel the same way but anyways so when we look at the number one cause of preventable death in the world it is diet nearly 11 million deaths globally are caused by poor dietary choices every year but there is this cognitive dissonance in western medicine where everybody recognizes that obesity and lifestyle choices are a problem but then there's no there's no true education to actually address that so lifestyle medicine is here to address that so there was also this interesting study done. So there was also this really interesting study done where first-year medical students were surveyed about whether they believed in nutrition as an important part of treating patients. And the great news was at least 75% of those students said that it was. Awesome. But then coming around to the end of the second year of medical school, that number was nearly zero. So literally, <laughs> that study concluded that our education system actually trains out the value of diet and nutrition as medicine. Okay? So we have a lot of transforming to do here in terms of education and the healthcare space. And a lot of this, you know, is correlated to political, economic, just a lot. There's a lot of things that happen behind the scenes in terms of like the way society is structured, but a lot of people are seeing, like they're, they're awake now to kind of what's happening and the collusion between different industries for profit. And the good news is that lifestyle medicine as in a new emerging field, it's, it came around around like the early 2010s and the American College of Lifestyle Medicine, they have a society and it's been growing so rapidly every year. And it actually was recognized as the nation's fastest growing medical professional association. So this is really great news. It just means so many things are happening for us. This is not all bad news that I'm trying to talk about or point out. I'm trying to just elevate that we are doing things and we are gaining momentum and this is just the beginning. So it's really, really exciting. 
that there's actually even a project called the Plantrition Project that is actually aimed towards educating, inspiring, informing, and equipping healthcare providers with the information and tools plus resources that they need to restore the lost quality of life for their patients. If you've made it this far into the episode, thank you so much for staying tuned in. I wanted to just have a mindful moment to check in with you so you can question, what is your lifestyle medicine? How do you live? Do you eat to live or do you live to eat? Do you work to live or you live to work? There's a lot of different ways that you can make your own lifestyle be your own medicine. And that is why I want to introduce the concept of heavenly health. What is your own version of heavenly health? Things to think about for the rest of the episode. Don't go away. Okay, so lifestyle medicine, these approaches, chats like this, creators like me, health coaches, just everything that's kind of happening in the wellness space couldn't come at a more appropriate time. Here's a little story about, it's kind of like a parable about how health is changed over time. Bill Bloggs' parents, born in the 1920s, were poor but hardworking. Having grown up in a rural region, they spent their days physically active and growing and cultivating food for themselves and for sale at the local markets. Such food was natural and healthy, as humans had evolved eating this type of unprocessed product for thousands of years. And as a result, Bill Sr. and his wife, Mary, were lean and healthy, although the effects of smoking taken up since World War II were starting to take its effects on Bill, and it was a constant battle to avoid serious infections such as polio. They visited the doctor irregularly, and they only truly went for such procedures as childbirth or treatment of an infection or injury. They lived into their late 60s, with a short period of illness before death. Bill Sr. and Mary's offspring, however, Bill Jr. and Barbara, they achieved much greater wealth in their lifetime than Bill and Mary could have ever imagined. And as a result, they had energy-rich, processed food on the table every day without much physical effort. And technology that meant they hardly had to lift a finger to enjoy the good life. But around 1980, they both started to gain extra fat on their bodies. And as a result, Bill Jr. developed sleep apnea, and Barbara developed type 2 diabetes and arthritis. They're still alive and in their 70s, but Bill Jr. has now had a stroke and is confined to a wheelchair. Barbara is also feeling the side effects of the good life, and both are not enjoying the benefits of the higher standard of living that has come with development. Okay, so I'm saying this because... Life has so dramatically changed even in the last 10 years with the rise of you know, remote work and a lot of uh, automation, a lot of AI, and just you know, even robots in the home for um, you know, standard house cleaning and chores. And we just, we've outsourced pretty much everything. We've, we could essentially outsource all our movement. And we're definitely not, you know, most people aren't toiling over the land for their food or anything of that nature. A lot of people find it even hard to just get their steps in every day or to just leave their phone or their computer or their TV for just even 30 minutes a day. So I definitely wanted to highlight how advances in development and changes in technology can be at our detriment for human health, progress, and evolution compared to, you know, back in the day where we actually had to put a little bit more effort towards life, but we had less access to wealth and money but it seems like we had more longevity in a life well lived because it isn't really about the number of years that you live, it's about the quality of those years lived.
That's why lifestyle medicine is just this great approach to help us improve our quality of life, not just just increasing our longevity and our lifespan, but really helping us find joy, meaning, and that's why they incorporate a lot of positive psychology and different parts of the approach. I really like that emphasis on um, stress management in, in terms of like mental health and mindset and all types of things that are very intricate, nuanced, and just complex parts of living a human life that are more complicated than like a number on a scale. It's just so generalized. So we're not treating individual risk factors anymore. We're treating environmental causes and lifestyle causes. And back in the day, patients weren't required to make big changes for their health and well-being. But with lifestyle medicine, we are required to make big changes. But those big changes can just be small ripple effect, compound effect habits. And then the old paradigm, treatment used to be short, very short term, but now lifestyle medicine is about longevity, long-term healthy habits that are all about sustainable behavior change. And then medication was just often the end of treatment. But with lifestyle medicine, medication may be necessary, but the emphasis is more on lifestyle and environmental change. This is probably one of the biggest changes is in like allopathic medicine, we would just kind of balance out the side effects of medications or treatment plans, balance those out by the benefit. But these days, side effects that impact the lifestyle require a lot of attention. We don't need any detrimental side effects to any treatment plans or lifestyle medicine intervention. So as we move into this new paradigm of wellness, healthcare, taking care of ourselves, it's, it's important to basically look at the determinants, which is what I'll focus more on in later episodes, is social determinants, environmental, economic, all of those things. I do really want to touch on um, food security, um, health promotion and communities, and different education barriers to wellness. So those are all really important topics and discussions about how we're really going to change the landscape of health worldwide. So stay tuned for more deep discussions on that. But for now, I'll just point out some of the determinants um, in different areas of lifestyle medicine. So look at your nutrition, for example. There's nutrition that will either decrease your disease risk or increase your risk of disease. So, for example, eating more fruits, vegetables, dietary fiber, natural foods, having a variety of foods um, so you can create like an oral tolerance and have more gut diversity and fish and healthy eating patterns and low doses of alcohol. Or you can do the flip side of nutrition, have excess processed food, high glycemic index food, saturated fats, trans fats, sugar, salt, excess alcohol, processed meats, and that's all an increased risk of obesity. So there's categories and it, and it just goes through everything in this lifestyle medicine book of um, the determinants of disease risk of activity versus inactivity, stress, inadequate sleep, environment. The environment one is interesting. I really want to dive into that in later episodes because you can have a decreased risk of disease if your political economic structure is sound in the community that you live in. If there's infrastructures for exercise, if you have reduced chemical use in that area, say for example, you're not living near like a chemical plant or you know, places with really bad air pollution, things of that nature. And even a health determinant is meaninglessness. This is very interesting because the number one health risk factor above smoking, above obesity, a health risk factor is isolation. It's loneliness. It's meaninglessness. So 
making sure you have social connection and you're not isolated and you have meaning, like something to do, someone to love, something to look forward to. I mean, that reduces your risk of disease. Or you could have the opposite. Unemployment, displacement, aging, loss of responsibility, depression, negative effects of that, and just early ex- childhood experiences. Those, those things all increase risk of disease. Going through the list, we even have alienation, loss of culture and identity as health risks, and um, even occupation can either decrease your disease risk, like if you are in an occupation that experiences social justice, work equality, economic security, you are going to have a really enhanced thriving life. That's your lifestyle medicine, is having the career sector of your life in balance and being of benefit to you, as opposed to working in uh, shift work, working in, you know, those night shift um, occupations, um, stressful occupations, hazard exposure, conflict, unhealthy interests and habits around the workplace, like working for an alcohol, like a social company or something like that. All of those things compound effect and really affect your life and the family and the community at large too. So the rest of the list, just to go quickly through it, is also drugs, alcohol, either decrease or increase your risk based off your usage, over and under exposure to sunlight, climate, where you're at, relationships, that's a huge one, um, companionship, peer support, maternal support in childhood, just literally experiencing love versus uh, interpersonal conflict, lack of support, and economic insecurity. Huge. <laughs> we are going to go through the entire wellness wheel, which is about seven different areas of wellness. We're going to focus on different determinants of health within different guests we have on the show. And I cannot wait till we do the series on relationships. That's going to be really fun because there's so many scientific and neurological things we can talk about, about how, who we surround ourselves with and how that either increases our health or decreases our health. So again, stay tuned. And then social inequity, that's a huge one. So socioeconomic status, having financial health in your life, having ongoing continuous education, and just having support overall versus having social inequality, experiencing poverty, and lack of welfare support. So these things are what lifestyle medicine is about. It is no longer about, you know, weight, the body. Yes, okay, yes, I need to take that back. It's no, I mean, it totally is also about that. But our world is so complicated now, and I'm not going to say now, but I just mean health is so nuanced now. The This is a complex part of the human experience that needs to be, you know, addressed in such a way while creating simplicity. So I really think that lifestyle medicine can do that for people. So you can work with a lifestyle medicine practitioner. You can incorporate your own lifestyle medicine ideals by just, list, you know, abiding by World Health Organization recommendations for daily movement, following the MyPlate chart that just helps you balance um, food and vegetables and macronutrients and healthy fats making sure you're just eating in a balanced way you're having quality adequate sleep between the hours of at least 10 p.m and 2 a.m when our cells are restoring and regenerating the most during the evening and our circadian rhythms are in line and in tune with biological rhythms just those things right there that's lifestyle medicine those are habits you can start implementing now as well as drinking half your body weight in ounces of water every single day so if you can approach those key parts of your wellness lifestyle you're very on track to preventing onset of disease chronic illness and helping to change the planet you know changing your health does change the planet
I was going to give a little bit of stats about how the healthcare industry is starting to see exercise as medicine and creating clinical exercise prescriptions for people because exercise can definitely reduce risks in depression, anxiety, stress, osteoporosis, so many different things, dementia. Exercise is amazing and it is definitely prescriptive as well as people are starting to catch on using more food as medicine, looking deeply into the food system, really trying to support regenerative agricultural practices, shopping local, and balancing their nutritional play is just so, so paramount and important to health and wellness. And I'm starting to see a lot more physicians take it into consideration with their healthcare treatment plans, as well as weight management. Since obesity is a quintessential lifestyle disease, and it's one of the you know, biggest diseases and main factors of illness and death in society these days, people are starting to understand more about um, body mass index and blood pressure and just biohealth markers and important to note and doing annual exams and checkups and making sure that your levels are just fine because even small amounts of excess body weight have been associated with many chronic diseases, including cardiovascular disease, diabetes, some forms of cancer, muscular skeletal disorders, arthritis, and so many others. And lastly, just to kind of point at the stats and kind of the current, you know, state of healthcare, there's a lot of emerging evidence that all these different types of diseases that I mentioned, they are now increasing in prevalence in children, and they may actually begin in utero. The same kinds of lifestyle measures that are applicable both for prevention and treatment of chronic disease in adults are also really relevant to kids. So good information on physical activity in children can also be found in a recent Physical Activity Guidelines for America study. So many of the lifestyle medicine modalities employed in adults are highly relevant to families. Issues related to physical activity, nutrition, weight management should be addressed in a family setting. That accountability, that social support of the family, if you can get a healthy household, that's, that's truly what I believe how you can really help um, heal society. Healthy homes, healthy, happy, connected families on a, a wellness path together. So all of this to say, lifestyle medicine is an evidence-based practice and approach, and it shows all of these lifestyle factors literally can eradicate and prevent all these diseases just by simple habit changes. But 75% of Americans see their primary care doctor every year. Do you know what a missed opportunity this is for physicians to not incorporate lifestyle medicine in their treatment plans and approaches? So employing principles of LSM in the daily practice of medicine really, oh my gosh, can you imagine how like life and world changing it would be? It would improve the outcomes for patients worldwide across the board and then that would create a ripple effect of people just learning healthier, sustainable habits that they then influence the, their peers, people who surround them, their communities, and that, that really becomes how the collective operates in a new generation. So the time is just, it's really come to just employ this huge amount of evidence in lifestyle medicine and just encourage positive lifestyle medicine, not only for patients, but also in our own, our own lives. This isn't just about the clients that I work with or other patients. This is definitely, you know, a call for, you know, you always want to go into these spaces to do good and do service for others because you first and foremost need it for yourself. And I have been on this health and wellness journey for so long and it's because I needed it. You know, this was the thing that saved my life. And it really all came to really 
feel really connected deeply in my heart and my mission and purpose when I started understanding the role that health plays with the environment and nature and sustainability. So how, how can LSM like just radically benefit our personal health, but also the health of the planet? What's good for our bodies is also good for the environment. There was this large study in 2018. Um, it was the largest study ever done on the environmental impact of the food supply, and it was published in Science Magazine. And it looked primarily at the use of farmland in more than 100 countries and found that 80% of our active farmland is used for conventional animal-based products. This is, you know, animal-based products that aren't, I'm not talking about farmer's markets or local farms, I'm talking about big agriculture. So 80% of our land is used for these slaughterhouse processed, you know, corn-fed, soy-fed, uh, just really poor agricultural practices that 80% of our land is used for that even though that land only makes up 18% of our total calorie intake. So these farmlands were responsible for more than 50% of greenhouse gas emissions. So it's literally the way in which we have farming practices but those practices are determined by how we make our purchases. Those purchases are determined on how we educate ourselves around nutrition. So again, reverse engineer it and go backwards and we find it really all is in habits. It's lifestyle medicine. So if we can change our habits from buying processed meat and, you know, contributing to like the slaughterhouse, you know, animal abuse and all those things going on within an agricultural system that's not regenerative, it's not sustainable, and we shift to regenerative practices with like sequestered land and animals that are grass-fed, grass-finished, all those things, those actually enhance the environment and they're incredible for the human body, human nutrition with all the more bioavailable nutrients that come from animals that live more sustainably on the land. So we will definitely dive into that. I'm looking for some guests for the podcast right now who we can talk to about regenerative agriculture. There's documentaries like Kiss the Ground that you can watch, really incredible talks with Joel Salatin. He's all about how we can change farming as a whole to really help heal the planet. And that's another discussion for another time. But basically what I'm saying is we need to shift our mindsets from being an owner of the land being a steward of the land and a steward just really looks at optimizing the current circumstances so they can just regenerate and renew resources for future generations so we can do that by changing our health habits and routines through lifestyle medicine focusing on nutrition that's local and not processed and just supporting our local farmers. Another fun fact, I work at a farmer's market, so I've been doing that for over two years, starting the pandemic as a service worker. Anyways, so the world's leading scientists are now totally recognizing that without a transition to a whole foods, plant-based, but also with you know low mercury fish, with regenerative agriculture, meats, poultry, um, dairy, and all those different things, they, they can definitely be a part of a healthy, diet that helps change the greenhouse gas emissions on the planet and the destruction that's going on the farmlands. Just as a change in the diet can regenerate the human body in a relatively short period of time, we can do the same thing with planet Earth. Remember, the macro reflects the micro and vice versa. The human body is designed, completely intelligently designed, to reflect the planet, the solar system, if you know anything about the doctrine of signatures, everything is interconnected as above so below so as we heal ourselves we heal the world 
when we know better, we do better. Until next time, thank you so much for tuning into this episode about lifestyle medicine, the future of healthcare, and how incorporating lifestyle medicine can help heal you and simultaneously heal the planet for now and future generations. Please stay tuned for next week's episode and subscribe to this podcast as well as follow me on all social media platforms at Avon Heavenly. And thanks for being here. Okay, till next time, be well and continue to create your own version of heavenly health.